you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Tape Heads. As we get you set for week 10, Bob Shoes and Dan Orlovsky, Scott Pioli. Uh, we try to take you behind the X's and O's as best we can and give you the football nerd side of the game because we are football nerds, love crawling behind the X's and O's. And guys, here was maybe as eyebrow raising a result as anyone could have seen coming from this past week. How about what the Broncos did hmm. to the Dallas Cowboys? And here's what Dak Prescott had to say after that loss to Denver. We got beat. We got we got thumped in every aspect of the game, uh, especially on offense. Uh, didn't get it going. I mean, we scored a couple of touchdowns there um, in late time, but I mean, uh, never got going. I missed some throws. Uh, we didn't throw and catch the ball uh, as, as we normally do. W wasn't our best performance by any means. Obviously, our worst of the year. And credit to those guys. I mean, it's the NFL. Th those guys uh, get paid to do this and play at a high level, and they came in here and were more prepared for this game. And... Uh, did a great job, did better than we did, and just beat us, plain and simple. All right, guys, let's crawl into this a little bit because Dak said we just got beat. But it's funny, Todd Archer, who covers the Cowboys for ESPN, put um, some ESPN next-gen stats up. And I'm just going to give you some numbers, and maybe you guys tell me what you're reading into this. Uh, Dak Prescott was blitzed a season-low 14% on dropbacks in that game. In his first six starts, blitzed 33%, second highest rate in the league. And the Cowboys put up pinball machine numbers at times offensively. Also, he saw disguised coverage, meaning changing the number of high safeties pre and post snap 26% of the time, second highest rate of the season. He also had an average time to throw in this game on Sunday of 3.45 seconds, according to Next Gen Stats. Entering the game, his average time was 2.68 seconds, which was the 11th fastest in the league. So they gave him all day to throw. They disguised coverage. They didn't blitz him. And the Cowboys could do nothing offensively, really, from start to finish in that game. So 
Is this a new way to play the Dallas Cowboys? Scott, as you've said in the past, did they just burn the brownies for one week? <laughs> just one bad week for the Dallas Cowboys? Or, you know, do you read something into those numbers and how Denver played them and say, wait a minute, that maybe now we're going to have to the next opponent see if the Cowboys recognize this and do they have it fixed? Yeah, I, you know, I've never been much, uh, there's so much to answer in all that, Bob. I have never been much of a believer in, quote unquote, the blueprint. Right, you can have a blueprint, so to speak. I'm doing little air quotes for the audio audience, uh, but if you don't have the players to execute the game plan, uh, the, the blueprint doesn't matter. And those numbers don't lie. Those numbers are the numbers. That's what they did. But just because that's what a team did in that given week with their players, um, that's where I kind of tap the brakes a little bit on the analytics. That it's important to know. It's good to know. But you also have to have some of the same dynamics in the game, whether it's the weather, whether it's the players, who's healthy, who's not healthy. To me, the bigger thing that stood out to me about that game was the overall general malaise that I saw and felt coming out of the Cowboys on both sides of the ball and special teams the entire game. There was not an energy that we had seen in the previous weeks when when, when they were on fire there was just something missing. So I don't know if you have that blueprint and you move into a game against the Cowboys and they show up feeling and acting and behaving and executing the same way, you're going to have a chance. The offensive line, in my opinion, didn't play the way that they had. The defense didn't play the way that they had. They That was not a Dan Quinn-looking defense last week. I don't know if they felt like they arrived and they could just show up against a, a Broncos team that I believe was four and four coming into the game and, and nail it because, you know, the Broncos, even though they were four and four, there wasn't a lot of noise being made about them. So I just I, I like to tap the brakes on the blueprint thing. The other thing is, you know, the here's what I have seen as a pattern of behavior with the Dallas Cowboys, not just over the course of several seasons. They don't handle success very well. They get to a point where they start having success and they have distractions and they have this great deal of inconsistency. And that's something to me that is more alarming. And again, I'm not over I'm not overreacting. I'm saying, but to me, if there is an alarm that's going to go off, the alarm is to to me is let's get our players to play consistently. And I'm not putting this on on Mike McCarthy. The same thing was happening when Jason Garrett was there. There is something in the culture where there is not a consistency of when they become a good football team, sustaining being a good football team. Yeah. Okay, so one, Vic Fangio has not been one of the best defensive minds and most respected defensive minds in football and got a head coaching job because he's bad at designing game plans defensively. So we got to give some respect Amen. and appreciation for what Vic Fangio did defensively. Um, the second thing I'd say in relation to the Cowboys offense, they got a lot of really important pieces at, at the very top of that list is Tyron Smith and them playing without Tyron Smith has an impact on every single thing that they do. And they missed Tyron Smith. I do not think this is a blueprint, so to speak, because the Cowboys were one for five, meaning they had five opportunities. They converted one of them when it was third and one or fourth and one or less. When you don't get those conversions that traditionally third and one and fourth and one, your consistency rate of executing and converting is crazy high. When you don't get them, you don't call plays. You don't get into rhythm on an offense. Two of those four misses are drops. 
okay, by reliable players. One of them was getting stuffed on a run, and another one is a miss by Dak Prescott. So I, I don't I don't have this, oh my goodness, what are teams going to do now that the Cowboys played poor offensively? I, I th- the best way I'll say it was they were poor execution-wise in critical moments. I've got a body of work that claims otherwise. And so I don't necessarily believe that teams are going to really be able to slow down and or stop, so to speak, this offense. Now, defensively, I have some cracks that I have seen in the Cowboys defense. Number one, the Cowboys defense has been so good this year because of pressure and man coverage. We saw it in the New England game. We saw it in the Minnesota game, and we saw it again against the Broncos. Trayvon Diggs started the season on fire. He's got, he's got eyes that you can take advantage of, and teams have started to double-move him. So when you are the Cowboys and Dan Quinn and you're playing man coverage and pressuring and your cornerback is double-moved for a touchdown, your initial reaction is, well, I ain't playing man and pressuring anymore because I can't <laughs> let it, have it happen twice. The Cowboys are not a zone defense. That is not where they are best. If you go watch that game after that touchdown – all of a sudden, you see them playing zone more. They're not great in zone. Micah Parsons playing Will Linebacker in cover two is not great. Um, their, their spacing is not well. That's why that offense was so efficient against them. And then in the run game, the Broncos put both tight ends. They went to 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends. They put two tight ends in the game. Now, when you do that, a defense has to make a decision. Are they going to match personnel-wise? Are they going to do what they do? Well, the Cowboys decided to do what they do. They played little. They played in nickel defense, meaning five defensive backs. That means I've got my tight ends blocking little dudes. 260 pounds versus 200 pounds. I win in the run game. And you saw the tight ends having the ability to block safeties, and that's why they were hitting those 8, 9, 10-yard runs. And then... They got into a split flow run game, meaning the run action went one way and the flow of somebody on the offense, really a tight end, went the other way. And what that did to Micah Parsons and Leighton Vander Esch at the linebacker spot is something that teams are going to look at and go, okay, we're going to double move Trayvon Diggs early. We're going to force them into zone. And then that defensive line is minimized a little bit. And we are going to put big body tight ends on the field. Let's see how they match. And we're going to give those linebackers a lot to look at because that forces them to play hesitant football. And then that defense looks way more human. I guess so my question would be then, in spite of the score, do you think that more, I don't know, weaknesses, cracks in the dam for the Cowboys were exposed in this game on the defensive side of the ball Mm -hmm. or the Mm -hmm. offensive side of the ball? Because on the scoreboard, I'm thinking this is an offensive problem, right? Like that can't get anything going. But do you think for, you know, an offense that I don't think anybody would think is going to walk into, you know, Dallas and put up good numbers against, I mean, no one would think the Broncos would be the offense that would go on the road and dominate a game. So if I'm a Cowboy fan, am I worried about my offense? I'm worried about my defense? Am I worried about both? I would say you're... Defense is way more worrisome. I don't know if you're like panicking, but you're worried more about the defense because if the defense isn't creating those takeaways and they're not, you know, matching personnel and you're getting the ball run on them, then yeah, and this is the past couple of weeks we've seen it. I'm not concerned about the offense. I'm not at all. I just think they had a day poor execution. I'm more concerned about the defense. Interesting. Scott, again, just burning the brownies for a day for the offense? I mean, are these legitimate concerns for the Cowboy defense? Well, to me, it's more of a team thing as I'm looking at this. Um, I, I agree with everything that Dan is saying. The offense should be better. Um, it bothered me that there was this general malaise. Again, offense, defense, that yes, they were out without Tyron Smith. 
that's an issue just like when they were at the beginning of the season when they were without Zach Martin, it was an issue. But to me, I think what has to happen is they need to be better as an entire team and have more energy as an entire team because I think we saw flaws on both sides. Well, another offense who had a performance that no one saw coming was the Buffalo Bills. What happened in Jacksonville? We will tackle that next on Tape You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that saying? with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Tape Heads. Bob Wachusen, Scott Pioli, Dan Orlovsky. Perhaps the biggest upset we've seen all season happened in Jacksonville over the weekend, and that was the Buffalo Bills, who everybody for the first half of the season was saying might be the best team in football, going down to the home of the team that arguably to this point this season, if not the worst team in football, certainly one of the bottom three. And who wins the game? I mean, Dan, we always have this conversation when we're doing college games, right, about how hard it is to ask a team to go undefeated, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you play a bunch of these games, and at some point you're just going to have an off day. Was it just an off day? Here's what Brian Dayball had to say after the game. Um, You know, when you pour six points on the board, not good enough, probably. Um, 
Simple as that. So much like every loss or every game, you look at what you can fix. I can only speak for myself. There's quite a few plays I wish I'd had back, put us in an optimal position to play uh, more efficiently. And I think, uh, you know, I think most of the guys would say the same thing. All right, so was this just an off day? Was this a day where Josh Allen was just terrible and kept turning the ball over? Or did we see something <laughs> schematically from the Jacksonville Jaguars that maybe forced some of those turnovers? And when I bring up the name Josh Allen, I got to remember there was another one on the field making all kinds of <laughs> yeah, plays on yeah. the other side of the ball, right? Sack, interception, strip sack, grab the fumble recovery. Um, it, it, one Josh Allen won the game and one lost, and it was definitely the opposite of what we expected to see. Well, uh, the Josh Allen that lost, I actually don't pin much of this loss upon him. I, I look watching the game. I point out two people that I go, man, you didn't, you didn't have your best day. Brian Dable, their offensive coordinator who I absolutely love. And then Cole Beasley. It all starts with the reality that two starters on the offensive line were out. That's a big part of this shuffling the offensive line. Now, what you started to see in this football game was the Jags defensive line really start to dominate the line of scrimmage and get after Josh Allen, the quarterback. My issue with Brian Dable was there wasn't enough help to really those tackles that were getting absolutely drummed by the Jags defense. They threw the ball a lot. Now, everyone after that game was like, Brian Dable, you got to run the football more. He tried. He tried. He called nine runs. Seven of them went for nothing or negative yards. Mm. He tried. If you were the play caller and your quarterback is Josh Allen and your receivers are X and your offensive line's 40% different and you're calling runs and you're getting whooped, you're not going to call runs either. You're going you're gonna to try to get the ball out of your quarterback's hands to get completions. And I actually thought Josh Allen did a good job of that when the Jags were saying, we're not going to let you throw the ball downfield. He did a good job of that. They had four drops that were huge, four drops that probably equal 80 yards passing at least. So that's not on the quarterback. That's on the receivers. And then the reason I say Cole Beasley is this. Again, watching the game, calling runs, they're not working. All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to try to spread them out, kick the ball to the perimeter to some of our playmakers. And that's the extension of the run game. Go make some plays, guys. Cole Beasley had opportunities to do that four times where they just kick the ball to the perimeter. It's a one-on-one -on -one situation. Go make a play. Go be better than the defensive guy. He went 0 for 4. He got shut out on all four of them. So the reality is I'm, I'm trying to get the ball to a playmaker in space, and he did nothing with it. So I don't like the fact that they didn't like help the offensive line, and I don't like the fact that Cole didn't do anything with his opportunities as a playmaker, and then they had four drops. Now, Josh has two interceptions. The first one is miscommunication. Do I think he forces the football? Yeah, that's fair. But I think it's a miscommunication. I would love to know why he didn't throw the, the hitch route to the left to Stefan Diggs. Push up five yards versus man coverage. Snap it off. It's third and four. You know, one-on-one, -on -one, you could throw that. The second one, it's a completely blown protection. And Josh is... You know, try, I really think Josh is trying to throw the football away towards the direction of the back who should be blocking the guy that's hitting the quarterback. And, you know, it's it's you'd certainly sit there and go, man, you can't make that play. But, you know, I'm the guy that goes, OK, 47 pass attempts. If he makes one dumb play, I, I can't kill him over it. And um, I certainly would love to see him have it back. But. I really pin it more on Brian Dable and Cole Beasley in those drops rather than Josh Allen, the quarterback, having a, a bad football game. Yeah, and, and Dan, uh, I'm going to – I don't disagree with that. 
And I'm also going to pin it on just a lot of the other bad football that they played. You know, on Tuesday on Tapeheads, we talked about the Rams and their problems and their issues and why they lost the game. Clean football. They didn't play clean football. When you look at the Bills, again, 12 penalties, Mm -hmm. five of those penalties were personal fouls. That's stupid football, Mm -hmm. all right? That's players not being smart or not playing smart. Three turnovers, the drops you mentioned, two interceptions. The reality is they put the ball on the ground twice. They had two fumbles but only lost one. So to me, when you play football like that, and and the the Jacksonville Jaguars may not, they may be the worst team in football, but it doesn't matter who the opponent is. When you play football like that, your likelihood and chances of winning are zero to none. Sure. So again, along with all of those, the, the the mistakes kept on coming. And again, I don't think this is indicative of, of who the Buffalo Bills are because they're well coached. They have smart players. They have smart players that did dumb things this past weekend. But I also think this is, you know, part of the game where they had a bad game. They are not a bad team. Mm -hmm. So they need to make that distinction. When they came back in Monday, I'm sure that they were talking about tell the truth Monday. What they needed to do is tell one another the truth, not just have the coaches point out the mistakes. This is where the players have to take ownership of their team. If the Buffalo Bills are going to take the next step toward being a very good football team, this is when locker rooms need to take over, where they need to have this accountability amongst their contemporaries, amongst themselves that allow them to take it to the next level. And they need to tell the truth about what they did wrong and not just say, yeah, my bad, I did that. No, that's not the answer. My bad, I did this. This is why I did that. It's not going to come, it's not going to happen again. And they need to hold one another to this internal, personal and team standard. Yeah. You know what else I'd say in regards to the game and just Josh Allen, the quarterback's performance is this, Scott, we often talk quarterbacks and we we put this phrase hero ball onto some guys Mm -hmm. and it's probably a worthy and justified phrase in certain situations i know carson wentz has done it before patrick mahomes has done it josh has done it in his past the difference that i saw because i've heard people say that they thought josh started to play hero ball in the end of the game i actually want to phrase it as just frustrated ball Mm. Like they he was they were so frustrated that there was nothing happening for the offense. I don't think he had this mindset of well, I gotta go, you know, do everything by myself. I think he, they had this mindset of okay, there's ten minutes left in the game and we haven't done <laughs> right. anything. I gotta go try and you know. And so, I, I I don't think this is oh my goodness, Josh Allen from 2018 showing up. I think it was they just played poorly and they executed poorly and. You know, you got to a certain point of the game where, you know, that like the fumble that he has uh, on the zone read, the reality is that's just a dead give. The defensive end just hangs. He gives that ball on third and two. The running back might hit his head on the goalpost type of play, you know? (laughs) And it's just one of those things where I don't think he's trying to do hero ball in that moment. I think he's so frustrated and so confident in himself. He's like, I got this. And I know that sounds like hero ball, but it was more attached to the frustration with the lack of success more than I'm the only person who can go make a play. And guys, a quick thought now on this division and on the fact that the Patriots have won three in a row, four of their last five, and Scott, a totally different scenario than all the years you were there, right? The Patriots basically spent 20 years being the hunted. They were never the hunter, Now the Bills look over their shoulders and go, whoa, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. We've got to play the Patriots twice. 
They're only, you know, right a half game behind us in the rearview mirror. What about Bill Belichick and now being in a totally different position where he's got a rookie quarterback and he's chasing the team that now sees him coming as opposed to all those years of the Patriots having everybody else in their rearview mirror? Yeah, but you know what, Bob? I was there at the beginning with Bill. So I was there when we were chasing, and so was Bill. We were there when we were chasing, and we were the hunters. That, that never happened. Oh, it happened. That, not, that never <laughs> happened. No, I, I disagree. I, I'm trying to think <laughs> back to my entire life of watching the AFC East, and it's the only team I ever remember winning the well, division. Well, I'll tell you this, Bob. Our first year, we were 5-11, and 11, and I remember when we started off that next season, I believe it was 1-3. That never happened either. <laughs> and the for sale sign that some clown put on my yard. So I remember having to be the hunter and part of that. <laughs> Sorry oh, about that. Oh, man. That's terrible. <laughs> But so so it's it's a it's a position that they haven't been in for a while. But again, Bill has been there before. He's been there um, as the Patriots head coach. He was there as the defensive coordinator of the New York Jets when we were all there together. And you know we we had struggled. I think we were seven and nine our first season, and then we had the twelve and four. But then we were eight and eight. And then when I was, that was with the greatest Bill and, seven and nine in history, by the way, <laughs> and when we were in Cleveland, <laughs> you know, so this is this is not uncharted territory for Bill, and it's not uncharted territory for everyone in that locker room because they all have football experiences where they've had to, you know, they the, some of them have woke up, you know, on and third base and think they hit the triple, but some of them have had had times in life where they've earned it, and uh, it's. It, it's it's not a bad thing. And Bill's been there before, so he knows how to coach through this as well. Yeah. And Dan, you've said from day one that you think that this Patriot team, while maybe not a division champion, is at least a playoff-worthy team. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, because the style of football that they play, I really believe is indifferent than anybody in the NFL. I mean, their offense is 2000 again. It's not 2021. It's you know condensed formation, shrink you down rather than spread you out. And it's run at you. And and it's ball efficiency. And, you know, it's funny because this will probably lead us into a greater topic, Bob. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, 20 years ago when I kind of first came into the NFL and you guys have been around it a long time, there was this thing that when West Coast offenses were becoming really popular, Bill Walsh, there was this kind of philosophy of runs plus completions you have a really good offense. So the team that in a certain game had more called runs and completions added up. So if I have 20 runs and 25 completions, 45, whoever had the most was the best chance to win the football game. And I kind of believe that we got away from that in the NFL for a period of time because the explosiveness of offenses, you know, it minimized the necessity of that. Well, we've gone backwards in football. We have, you know, everything's cyclical. We are, teams are playing way less man. They're forcing more efficiency on offense. They're forcing you to take longer drives. Well, the the runs plus completions is going to matter. Do you know who the top five teams are in the NFL when it comes to that right now? Number one, Tennessee Titans. They're not stinking. Number two, (laughs) Baltimore Ravens. They don't stink. Number three, Arizona Cardinals. They don't stink. Number four is, I'm going to remember it in my brain. I forget. Number five. Stink. What a great word, though, yeah. Dan. Uh, All right, who's five? There. Number five. Uh, oh, you know what? Four, Buffalo Bills. Number five, New England Patriots. Mm. Okay, right. so I just, I think the division is going to be really interesting. I do believe it's still the Buffalo Bills division. 
But I'm just telling everybody, man, the Patriots are playing a style of football that in 2021 is going to be really difficult to beat. I don't care who you are. Well, just as a quick aside, my first year covering the Jets full-time on a day-by-day basis was 1996, year two of Rich Kotite. They went 1-15. in 15. Scott Pioli, Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, and the whole group comes in in 1997, and they had the single greatest 7-9 and nine history uh, <laughs> season in NFL history. And I watched every second of it, every play of it. They look at it as, as you can hear in Scott's voice, yeah, you know, we kind of struggled. We came in and went 7-9. and nine. They went 1-15 and 15 the year before you guys went 7-9, and nine, and you almost made the playoffs on the last Sunday of the season. So I look back on 1997 and, and applaud you guys and say, well done. So way to go. Way to go 7-9. and nine. It was the best thing I think I ever saw. I wish I could have found you yeah. back then. I, I, I needed that yeah, hug. Yeah, we should have been buddies. All right. <laughs> a, a quarterback, we mentioned this on Tuesday, and we're going to do this real quick when we come back. A quarterback that is flying under the radar, that is having an absolutely terrific season that no one really seems to be talking about and why, and a quarterback right now whose career might be on life support and why. Those are two things we're going to touch on when we come back on this episode of Tape Heads. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome back to Tape Heads on this Thursday edition. Bob Wachusen, Dan Orlovsky, Scott Pioli. And guys, there is a quarterback out there that is lighting it up for a team that's four and four. Saints are going to rush four. Ryan's going to hang it downfield for Patterson, who makes the catch. Cordero stays in bounds. 20, knocked out of bounds at the 15-yard line. Holy smokes. Matt Ryan looped one down the far sideline, and Cordero Patterson comes through again. Matt Ryan, 
I mean, th- this is a quarterback, really, guys. If you look at the way that their offense is playing, how much they have struggled the last several years on defense, they're 4-4, four and four, a team that had no expectations, but they're lurking in the playoff race. Is he getting enough, even any credit, hmm. for the season he has had so far? And why all of a sudden is Matt Ryan looking like, you know, the, the franchise quarterback of a handful of years ago that actually could get this team to the playoffs? No, he's not getting enough credit. Shoot, you don't have to go a couple years ago. Go back to the first two weeks of the season. Matt, who's uh, my friend, I love him. He looked bad in the first two weeks of the season. It was bad where you thought, or certainly I did, my goodness, Atlanta should have taken Justin Fields or someone. You know, (laughs) he just looked bad. And he has gotten really settled in. The arm looks plenty strong enough still. I think two things for their offense that have started to show – Really, the usage of Cordell Patterson and that, the, you know, a guy that has been in the league for a long time and he was taken in the first round because he's so talented and teams kind of misused him or he didn't settle in. And he's really settled into the multiple roles that the Falcons are asking him to play. I think that's given Matt Ryan a ton of confidence in him that he can go be a little bit of a, a guidelines playmaker. Also, Kyle Pitts, their first round pick out of Florida, has really decided to step up and, and, and not decided, but he's really flourished in more opportunities and roles for him. So Matt Ryan's playing really good football. The scheme that he is in is completely his comfort level. It's very similar to what he ran with Kyle Shanahan, his MVP year. Their defense is playing much better. And I just think those two younger pieces, oh, the young piece of Pitts and the the vet piece of Patterson have really, really thrived in the roles that they're being asked to play. Yeah, and Dan, to your point, the, the word there is they have been dependable. Yeah. And Matt did start off really slow. Again, there was an adjustment to a new offense. There's an adjustment to language, to terminology. There's so many things that you know better than anybody what goes into change. But the other big change is... Going into the season, there was going to be this transition. We They no longer have Julio Jones, so the number one receiver, it's time for Calvin Ridley to step up, and Calvin Ridley has had to step away, mm-hmm. and Matt continues to ascend. And I, and I do want to say this. I, I know and I truly love Calvin Ridley. I hope that he is okay. And Matt trying to work without Calvin, without Julio, but relying on Pitts and some of the other things around him, Here's here's what I – what I've seen that I don't think Matt um, or that I think that Matt has done a good job of is that he hasn't tried to do too much, right? We were just talking about hero ball. Matt has not tried to play hero ball. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, in the time that I spent with him, it was six seasons in or or five seasons. And he, he was as level headed an emotional player, passionate player, but a thoughtful player that handled pressure and situations so well. And I think he's continuing to do this. There were so many things that are out of his control. And he's done a masterful job, in my opinion, of handling all of the things around him, all of the change around him. There's been so much change over the years. Even that great season he had when Kyle Shanahan was our offensive coordinator. And then the offense changes again. It changes mm-hmm. back to Dirk Cutter for him. But then it changes again. So Matt has done such a great job of, of containing himself and just saying, okay, these things are out of my control. I'm going to be thoughtful about it. I'm going to work on it. And he is a hard worker. And he's done a terrific job of getting himself prepared, again, without really having a quote-unquote number one receiver on his roster. 
Well, they're going to play the Falcons this week, or rather the Falcons are playing the Cowboys this week, and that is going to be a game we are definitely talking about next week on Tape Heads because can Matt Ryan keep it going? Can the Cowboys straighten the ship and correct the errors from this past week? That'll be a really interesting schematic game to talk about. And one other uh, player I think we need to touch on, guys, before we go, Dan, you and I have been steadfast as best we can in our support of Sam Darnold. I have said all along, I think the Jets completely hung him out to dry for for three years and that given the chance, a legit chance, I still think he could be really good at this and be a top-notch NFL quarterback. And I don't know how much longer we can make that argument because, I mean, all the things Scott said about Matt Ryan, right? Passionate, competitive, but a, a great leader and exactly the face that you want your franchise to be and humble and at the same time, like never throws anybody under the bus. All of those things are there for Sam Darnold, which makes me root for him as hard as I root for him. But this is tough, right? I mean, he's just, he's not getting any better. And when you start having your, you know, your coach after games come out and say, yeah, we just can't play like this. Like we can't live with the quarterback just throwing it up the way he is. That's kind of the, the precursor to a coach saying, maybe we need to make a quarterback change. Yeah. Bob, I got to go. I'm done with this segment. Bye. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, man. <laughs> I, I wish I could be done with yeah, it too because I'm rooting it, hard for the guy, but it's just, yeah, it's tough. It's, you know, he's, he's living a tough, a tough yeah, life right yeah, now. Yeah, it's tough. I've, I, you know, I, I try to go out of my way to support a lot of quarterbacks because I feel like so many fans make it, oh, quarterback's great or quarterback stinks. And so I try to, you know, give the reasonable perspective on, on all of these guys. And I've had Sam's back and I often said it was so hard to evaluate Sam given where he was and what he was in. And I thought in Carolina, he would be such an improved player. I didn't necessarily think he would go become Tom Brady, but such an improved player in the first month, you felt that 10 touchdowns, three picks. He was used as an athlete. He made really good decisions with the football. He was being creative. And then this past month, and that's why it's not just about, you know, this past weekend against new England, this past month, it's been such a drop off in play. And I get that people go, well, McCaffrey's not there. That's, that's, uh, that's fair. And that certainly has its impact. But that doesn't make him force the ball into the end zone to J.C. Jackson for his third interception of the game. The Jamie Collins interception the other day, absolutely remarkable play. Can't kill the quarterback over that. Um, the, the bootleg play where it floats and he's you know, kind of a bang-bang and J.C. Jackson takes it for a pick six. That's a lot on the quarterback. It's a little bit of a daggone bad break. Um, but this is a month of kind of relatively poor quarterback play. It's a month of an offense struggling. And their offensive line is still bad and – but I can't sit here and go pound the table that I got Sam Darnold's back and I think he's going to be a really good player anymore. And that's really, I don't do that often with quarterbacks because again, the world that we live in, it's, it's often strictly a judgment of you're great or you stink. And so <laughs> until Sam, until Sam consistently values the ball and um, can make, you know, 65 out of 65 decisions in a game that are the right decision, I can't continue to say, well, it's somebody else's fault at some point. Uh, and I'm at that point where I just got to go, he's not good enough. And that's that, that's tough for me to say. All right, guys, I'm, I'm going to talk you off the ledge here. Okay. Oh, I want to okay. hear this. Scotty Sunshine's rolling in here. Not a boy. It's a good way to wrap the here, show. Here, I want Scotty no, Sunshine no, here, to wrap the show. This is what I'm going to say. Um, He's only half a season removed from growing up in a dysfunctional home. 
Okay, he grew up in a place in the NFL that was exceedingly dysfunctional, where he didn't have talent around him. Yeah, the other shoe is always getting ready to drop. He's only been through half a season. I'm not throwing out the mistakes he's made. He's making some bad decisions. He's doing some bad things. But this is that whole nature versus nurture thing. He has learned in the NFL that he has to still unlearn some of the stuff that he's been taught. Sure. You talk about a bad offensive line. You talk about the absence of Christian McCaffrey, who truly is one of the best football players in. The league. And then you look around his roster, some of the people that he has around him in a, in a roster in its totality on offense right now really isn't very good. Now, that does not excuse him or justify the mistakes that he is making. I'm just saying that he grew up in a situation and a circumstance that allowed for bad habits that he still has to undo. And I think all the things that you guys have said about him as a leader, as a person, and I go back, I still go back to the day that I saw him practice at USC was the same day that I saw, um, was it UCLA and, and Josh saw Rosen, Josh right? Rosen. Yeah. And yep. I remember seeing this guy that I thought was limited in certain ways, right? He was not going to have the best tools, the greatest tools, the, the the best technique, but a guy who could play the position and would have players rally around him, I'm still waiting for that to show up. And again, I may be wrong, and I'm not saying this is Johnny Unitas or Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying that he's a better player than what we've seen. And I still think that there's time. Yeah. Again, we're judging him on a half a season. And everything that you all are saying are some of the same things I'm thinking. I'm just willing to give him a little bit more time. And then he pulls oh. me right back in. <laughs> Let's go. I, I hope that's the case for Sam's sake. Um, you know, they did pick up his option for next season. So they are paying him a lot of money for next year. So hopefully that at least for his sake means yeah. he's getting another year and a half to prove that he can do this. Maybe that'll be enough time. We'll see. Hey, look, you can get in touch with us on social media. Rate and subscribe. We will be back next week. Saints-Titans. A big matchup between the Browns and the Patriots. We talked about the Falcons and the Cowboys. A crossroads games between the Chiefs and the Raiders. A lot to talk about in Week 10. We will see you next time on Tapeheads. Tapeheads is a production of iHeartMedia and the NFL. You can download the Tapeheads podcast on the iHeart app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.